Brothers! What we do in life echoes in eternity. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. Officer, you need to repent of your lawless conduct. You don't know the law, and yet you pretend to represent it. That's not law enforcement, sir. That's being a thug. We will not stop fighting and bothering you all until this monstrous, barbaric practice of legalized abortion ends and we are teaching our children to do the same. God's word says that the shed blood of innocent humans cries out for justice and mark my words, they will have their day in court. Nobody gets saved by being treated nicely. They get saved by hearing the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. If we don't open our mouths and commend Christ, we're not loving Him, no matter what we're doing with our hands. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You have tuned in to another show of Provoked. We hope you're having a fantastic day today, and we're just super glad that you clicked on your YouTube little thing there, and now you're looking at us. This is Desi to my left. Hello, or listening to us through their favorite podcast. Oh, yeah, through the podcast. Yeah, they either clicked on Spotify or YouTube or... Mm -hmm. That's not a podcast, but... Well, I mean, they could listen on YouTube. So podcasts go through... It's like iTunes. iTunes. That's what I said. You did, and then you said YouTube. I don't think I said Spotify. Did I? Yeah. No, you did. I did? Just now you did. I just said it. This but is... she's the one that said go to Spotify, right? And tune in? I said uh, iTunes. Oh, yeah. I okay. think. She or... said iTunes. Yeah. yeah. She's iTunes. confused is... today. <laughs> this is what happens after you turn 40. I- I'm just totally messing with you. <laughs> Jake the... Jake the Bull. Who could be the new Superman in a Marvel <gasps> movie. The Bull, yeah. Yeah. Um, I am also here. Uh, that's cool. I'm, 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 I haven't gotten any adjectives yet, mm-hmm. but you know, with time, maybe yeah. that, that'll come. Yeah. Jake, the genius. That's a good one. Yes. I like that one. Jake, Mr. Good looking. That's a good one. <laughs> Becca. Now everybody's yes. going to switch from <laughs> iTunes to like YouTube that. to verify that. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, who are we? If you've never tuned in, we're a podcast on the Apology Studios platform. So we're super thankful to have been doing all the shows that we've been doing. I think we've done like 53 or something yeah, like that. I think Nothing that... in comparison to the others, but mm-hmm. we're, we're working on it. Yep. Um, what you could do really quick is you can go to apologiastudios.com, become an all access member. It's just going to benefit you it's like somebody dropped a big chocolate cake right in your face and you're like oh thank you this is awesome um but if you do that you can also support what we're doing keep this going so god can receive the glory gospel can go out babies can be saved people can be delivered from cults all the good stuff that apologia does so please go ahead and do that now all right wait a second i just want to give a shout out to our good friend at ica by buzz john Look at this beautiful, beautiful Bible that was sent. It's my favorite color, teal. It says, that Greek word is... Uh, Theonostas. Theonostas. Yes. I should know God that. Breathe. We should know that, Bean. Whenever it, we yeah. don't know anything, we just look over to Jake. <laughs> yeah, we're like, Jake, <laughs> tell us. You know what it is, is that my I'm just getting older and I, I couldn't read it. But uh, it's absolutely beautiful. It smells I was going to say, yeah, it looks we were, good, but... 
You just got to trust us. Yeah. It smells glorious. Yeah. The smell is amazing. Look at this Bible. So that comes from In Christ Alone, uh, Bible Rebinders, Mm -hmm. and that's Jonathan Holiday. Yep. Right? And so, hey, man, thanks so much for the Bibles that you sent us. And if you want to get a awesome Bible like this, please visit his uh, Facebook site and you can go to, it's ICA Bibles, ICA Bibles, and go ahead and get one. It's beautiful. Thank you, brother. Right on. So we are going to get into our segment. We're going to answer a question from one of our um, uh, viewers that sent us in a question, but we're going to get into exposing false teachers in just a second. Um, Not the funnest thing to do, but the necessary thing to do. I mean, it'd be wrong if we were like just you know, really loved to do something like this, which we don't, but it's absolutely essential to um, not only our calling as just the people of God, but especially as a shepherd, because yeah. we got to protect the sheep. Yeah. But let's get into um, the question that was sent to this, sent to us a couple of days ago, right? Um, it was actually this morning, I think, um, or it might've been a couple of days ago. I might not have seen it. Um, but here's the question. Hi there. I came across uh, your podcast this morning as I was specifically searching for those covering the seeker sensitive movement. Thus far, it's been very informative with the biblical references to help me build a framework of what the Bible says the church um, is ought to be. I have only ever gone to one church in my life. I didn't come to a personal belief in Christ until I was about 21. I know I have, uh, I, I'm sorry, I I have worked at this church for seven years as a student uh, minister. I am in the process of leaving and sharing with my brothers and sisters and church leadership why we feel this community is not truly a biblical church. With that being said, on our very own website where we list our beliefs under the heading of the church, there is one sentence that seems to be very troubling for me, and I believe it's hard to discern the truth because as you uh, all outlined the seeker-sensitive movement as being has warped the minds of believers for decades now. Our website states, the church the church exists for those who are apart from it. Can you help me talk through this phrase and how I can address it with our leadership? So she wants to talk through this phrase, the church exists for those who are apart from it. Yeah. What do you think, Jake? Well, first of all, just want to reiterate like the heaviness and the weight of what she is probably dealing with her family's probably dealing with Mm -hmm. to like have to be plugged into a place for so long it sounds like be on staff there and then come under these convictions and make a decision to walk away so totally um can resonate with that personally but then also just like that's a really heavy thing these are relationships you build with people so um one of the things that's coming to my my mind initially is to really and, and it sounds like hopefully what some of what we talked about in that episode was helpful for her in, in terms of like finding scriptures that would really be pertinent to the situation. So Mm -hmm. that would be my first suggestion is to um, really nail down. What are those texts? What are those scriptures that speak to why I'm feeling an issue? Because if you don't do that, you know, if we don't have, we talk about this a lot, if you don't have the, this reference point of God's word, it just becomes, he said, she said, it becomes my opinion versus their opinion. And we can just go back and forth with our opinions. Um, So I think finding those texts that really speak to uh, why you feel the way that you feel, why you're feeling these convictions. And then in love, bringing those to the elders, to the leaders at this church and saying, I'm wrestling with this. I see this text in scripture. I see how we're operating and those don't seem to jive really well. So can you help me understand this? Is there a place, you know, is there a place of repentance? Like there's, is there an opportunity for repentance here? And specifically that phrase of the churches, um, 
Like you said, the church is for whoever wants to the be a part of it. The church exists for those who are apart from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the church exists for those who are apart apart from it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of exactly what we talked about uh, in that episode. The church exists. The church is made up of believers, mm-hmm. and the church is made up to give glory and worship and praise to God. And we ought to do the work of evangelism, which is reaching those who are apart from the church. But mm-hmm. the church doesn't exist for those who are apart from it. The church exists for God and for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, First Peter uh, chapter 5, Peter tells the um, pastors to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. It's the flock of God. It's not the flock of unbelievers. Mm-hmm. So God's church is filled with God's people and we hope and desire for more to come and be a part of God's church. But the church does not exist for those who are outside of, of Christ. Uh, the church exists to bring glory to God and it's made up of those who are in Christ. And if that's your foundation as a church, then I would say there's um, real need for self-examination there. So I applaud her for having this strong conviction, but also just to know like, there's probably going to be some pushback, some opposition. There's probably going to be some people who are like, are you kidding me? Why don't you want, why, why do you want everyone to be a part of this? That type of, basically you're not being nice about it. We mm-hmm. talked about that too. So yeah. those are some thoughts. Yeah. Sometimes all you do is you break down the words and then you, you load the, those words with biblical definitions, right? Because yeah. people think the church is a place that you go. Right. <laughs> it's a, it's a location. It's a massive, whatever. The church is the people of God. The church is the people of God, the called out ones. <laughs> yep. So the people of God exists for those who are apart from it, right? That's how you would, you know, kind of break that down with biblical language or definition of what's going on there. And we don't, like you said, we yep. exist for the glory of God. Isaiah 43, right? You were created for my glory. Yep. We're created for his name's sake. Yep. But all that they're saying and not so many words is that, hey guys, this is all about reaching the lost. Yep. Which, yeah, that's part of it. But mm-hmm. the church is primarily for the worship of the Lord, yep. for you know, internal ministry that's happening to God, for God, and the people. And evangelism should be external to the location. On a, on a, it's not about really Sunday, right? It's yep. the church going out, being prepared by the elders, Ephesians 4, to do the works of the ministry. Right. Yeah. Edify the saints, uh, yeah. discipleship, <clears throat> shepherding. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a great question. Yeah. I thank you. Her no, well, I didn't ask her. So let's just leave her anom- okay. anonymous because I didn't ask permission. Yeah. So. Yeah. I can give her a fake name. But that'd be kind of weird. Let's, just call her De- Let's call her Desi. Yeah, yeah another Desi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Desi. All right. So we are going to continue on in our segment of exposing false teachers, false pastors, false preachers. And immediately, you know, based upon people's spiritual background, the way that they've been taught, people will immediately just turn this off. Yeah. Because it's not nice. It's uh-huh. not tolerable. Why don't you just do what you guys are doing and let them do what they're mm-hmm. doing type of a thing. Yeah. So I know that we have talked about this, but just to briefly talk on it before we get into the two Todd's that we're going to be speaking on. Um, what about not touching the Lord's anointed? You know, mm-hmm. are we doing that by exposing false teachers? Yeah. I think part of it is fun to, to understand is what's the definition of the Lord's anointed you know, I mean, I think a phrase like that is pretty loaded, but if you break it down biblically, what's the Lord's anointed? Well, in my eyes, it's someone who's pastoring a church. It's someone who carries the office of an elder. I don't know that I would use the term, even use the term anointed. 
Um, but if you're using that phrase to try to say that a a human being is untouchable or, uh, is not able to receive criticism or critique at all because they're anointed by God, Mm -hmm. then you're really just opening a wide door for that person to go off the rails if they want and never receive any correction. So when we see elders in scripture, when we see the outlines, these are men of high character, but, uh, they're not men who are, uh, like they're, they're higher than reproof or they're higher than correction. These are, if, if anything, men who should be under the highest level of scrutiny and openness to correction. Exactly. Yeah. I think too, if they're like not demonstrably um, showing the fruits of ger- regeneration. In fact, they're on the other side where they're demonstra- demonstrably mm-hmm. uh, showing that they are unregenerate and they're going against God's word, then we can safely say they're not God's anointed or they've fallen away from the faith. Exactly. And so they're not yep. falling into that category. Mm-hmm. No, and I think you're David, kind of... David spoke about Solomon, right? Yeah, and yeah. I'll get to that. But you were talking about Matthew chapter seven, and that's in the context of false teachers, right? right. right. Where Jesus says a good tree will bear good fruit mm-hmm. and a bad tree will bear yep. bad fruit. You will know them buy their fruit. So Jesus is like, you better do some examining of these type of teachers because their fruit is going to show whether or not um, they're legitimate. And then you're like, no, oh, what's fruit? Oh, they've got a lot of money coming in. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the fruit. Yeah. Or they got a lot of people, you know, yeah. singing their praises or reading their books. No, fruit always has to do, and you go immediately to Gal- Galatians chapter five, it's the character of a man right or a woman mm-hmm. <laughs> that professes to be some yeah. type of spiritual leader mm-hmm. their character is what is going to demonstrate whether or not they're actually genuine or not exactly um, you know when david's talking about not touching the lord's anointed cuz remember david and i it might have been um <clears throat> abiah shire i can't remember one of david's mighty men they're like can, can you just please let us kill saul <laughs> yeah. yeah right i mean they were so sick and tired of running from him he's throwing spears at david and he's hunting him down and um, Gaza, right? Philistine cities. And the, they're, the soldiers are like, just give us the word and we'll take, take him out. Of yeah. course, he was in a cave relieving himself. David could have killed him. And he says, touch not the Lord's anointed. But uh, Saul was the anointed to be king, right? Right. It's really, I think we're stretching it, um, that particular scripture or the multiple scriptures it it does talk about don't touch the lord's anointed Mm -hmm. by saying it refers to some you know pastoral individual or some man of god it's david saying hey we can't kill the king he was anointed to be our our leader and he can't do that so we can't stretch that too far in its application and its interpretation i think you know what i mean right yeah Um, but like you said if they're not bearing the fruits of regeneration (laughs) in their characters is (laughs) And we'll get into it. And their characters really demonstrating that. Then they're, they're not the Lord's anointed. Yeah. So, and you know, if we don't expose a wolf in sheep's clothing, they're just going to devour the sheep. Why do we do this? Why do we expose false teachers? It's because we care about God's people. Right. We care about the people that are being victimized, the naive, the simple, um, you know, the people that are like, hey, I, everybody's pointing. There's so many credential people or seemingly credible people that's pointing to these people that saying, Hey, these are men of God. And I really believe it. And they're kind of locked in that mm-hmm. because the, you know, they're not utilizing discernment. They don't understand what a man of God should be. It's you're really biblically illiterate, but I think, and like, you know, our sister says, and we're going to get into that. Yeah. They're really loving, well-meaning people. They're just at a place of ignorance mm. and they're being unknowingly 
victimized by these type of individuals. They're wolves trying to devour. So what we're going to do today is expose two different Todds. Michael Todd, Pastor Michael Todd from Transformation Church, and then Todd Bentley. So let's get into Michael Todd. He is an up-and-coming kind of a powerhouse of a false teacher. He's he's starting to become, kind of take the place of maybe some other really notable, dynamic, more charismatic, I put pastors in mm-hmm. air quotes yeah. there, on the scene. Um, he's kind of overtaken. Even you think about someone like Stephen Furtick, uh, he's, he's kind of putting himself into the spotlight and really, really, really gaining popularity. Um, so I think it's worth talking about and it's worth... Um, talking through not just him or we're not trying to slam character or anything like that, but we want to give hard evidences for why we're making the claims we're making and in love call Mike Todd to repentance, but also uh, to warn those who follow his teaching or who may not see an issue with it. Yeah. So um, just right off the bat, a couple notes, Transformation Church in Tulsa um, and their website. I, I came across this. I thought it'd be just right off the bat, you want to like look at a church's website and maybe yeah. some flags. Um, it says they aspire to reach their community, city, and the world with the gospel presented in a relevant and progressive way. You know, so just right there, I read that. I'm like, okay, there are some alarms going off in my in my mind here. Yeah. A relevant and progressive way. That means we can shape and form the gospel, whatever that is, um, in the ways we need to reach the community. Um is one flag. And then another one that comes to mind, if you go on their website, you look at their executive team, they have a total of six, again, air quote, pastors. One is Mike Todd. Another one is a guy named Charles Metcalf. And then four of them are women, you know, and like, okay, so you have four females being called executive pastors. You have Mike Todd, and then you have this other guy right off the bat of just from a leadership standpoint, like, okay, these are concerning to me. Just mm-hmm. even right off the bat, not even listening to one word, you know, yeah. this right. is concerning. Yeah. Just that word progressive. Yeah. That means we're departing from the scriptures as being our sole authority. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Or we could say, they could say, no, we believe in the Bible. Where you departing from a historical orthodox interpretation of those scriptures yep. and you're uploading, you know, when it kind of comes to sexuality, which we'll get into your own definition, a really culturally inspired definition. That's when, and that's what you got to do. If you're looking for a church, you got to go to the website. You have to look at what they believe. You have to, you know, pick up on these tells yep. or these red flags that are, that are there for you. So you can get away and not even become a part of this church that's right. going to victimize you and your family, you know? Right. Yeah. One, one thing I would like to note too, just, um, for the listener that is on here, that's not reformed. This isn't about, um, theology as far as like, you know, a bunch of Calvinists that are, are up here saying, you know, this is about Arminianism and Calvinism. These, these two individuals do come from the word of faith movement and they are charismatic but they even have people in their own camp that have denounced them so this isn't about the gifts of the spirit and all of that yes right. we have some differences there and we love our arminian uh, brothers and sisters in the faith even though we think you're wrong but we yep. love you yep. but this isn't about that this is about false teaching and taking advantage of other people in heretical views not just a a squibble between Calvinists and Arminius. Yeah. And that's a yeah. good thing to say because in our critiques of false teachers, we're not trying to be tribal right. is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We're not just trying to war against other denominations or other, you know, 
theological systems mm-hmm. out there. That's not what it's about. I think as we go on, we'll expose IFBs, we'll expose Calvinists. There's mm-hmm. Calvinist heretics. Of course. You know, yeah. neo-Calvinists and things like that. So yeah. it has nothing to do with being tribal and, hey, if you're not in our camp, then you're a false teacher. Right. right. That's exactly a good thing right. to say. Yeah. You know? yeah. Good, good point. Yeah. So get right into it here with, with Mike Todd. Um, two really big evidences to examples of, of false teaching that I wanted to touch on. One of them's a little bit more popular. So maybe some people who have seen this, this first clip, he's talking about sexuality, homosexuality, transgenderism. Um, we'll watch this clip here of what he says and, and, uh, and interact with it. Uh, second one's not as well known. And then I want to get in even for just a little bit, talk about what, what I think is the root of this, of all of this, but let's let's start here with uh, taking a peek at these two these okay. two teachings. Let's start with this one on sexuality. How do you know you're serving the king? It's usually the opposite of what you naturally want to do. I'm trying to give you. I serve the king. No, you do what you want to do. You you value your opinion of it more than you deva- value God's. <laughs> not just opinion, his decision on it. God's already decided some stuff that we think we have, can have an opinion on. I, I'm trying to decide right now, Cordell, how much I'm going to get him to try to God decided male and female. I, no, no, no. I'm not. This is not a bad. I need y'all to hear my heart on this. This is not a bashing. This is not. A, he. If I was there, maybe I would have told him. Is there something in the middle you could do, like kind of a like a little maybe? If somebody. Well, I was born like this. I don't know how I feel. That I, I feel you. And I wish that there was an option of other in the kingdom. In culture, you can make up whatever you want to. In culture, you can build whatever you want to. But the truth of the matter is that if we are going to submit under what the king says, I'm going to have to wrestle with what I don't even fully understand. Oh God, pastors don't say this because they want to be absolute. Well, why did that? I don't freaking know. I know, honestly, I wish God would have made it so much simpler and it was like A, B, C, or D, like frick. No, I'm serious. As a pastor, like, so what do you think about gay men? I don't know. But I do know. In- All right. <clears throat> so. That's the that's the more popular clip that's been going around a little bit. So maybe some people have seen that, but um, there's a lot obviously to deal with there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so because there's a lot of places to start, but I want to I want to just kind of use as a response to this. I want to use their own words here, Transformation Church's own words. If you go to their again, you go to their website. Um, this is how they describe the church. So they describe the church in general, like the big C church, uh, of which they believe transformation is a part. 
Their site says the church is a local community of baptized believers unified through faith in Christ. It is committed to the teachings of Christ and obeying all of his commands, and it seeks to bring the gospel to the world. Okay, so apparently Transformation Church is committed to the teachings of Christ and to obeying all that Christ commands. So then mm -hmm. we just ask the question, what, okay, what did Christ command? What did he teach? We go to Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. Jesus is answering uh, the Pharisees here a question on divorce. He says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And, and then Jesus quotes Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So there it is, clear, plain as day in God's word. What Jesus taught, what Transformation Church says that they submit to, male and female, and marriage being between one male, one female, period. And you have all this kind of hemming and hawing up here on this from the stage. And if you notice, like if you kind of watch it even broader than that, because I watched more than just this clip, but he starts off saying something that sounds true. He says, we have God's design or God's decision, and we need to submit our opinions to God's decision. And I hear that, and I think, yeah, amen, I agree mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. And that's, But that's the um, frustrating thing with false teaching is because there are elements of truth in it. Yeah. And it gets so insidious that we, you, you start to hear things that aren't quite true, and you say, oh, okay, well, maybe that must be true too because the thing before mm -hmm. was true. Right. And it's not. He starts posturing himself where he's saying things like, hey, guys, and when he's meaning like LGBT, transgenderism, uh, hey, everyone in that community i am on your side here you know that's really what he's saying i'm on your side god is kind of like he's mike todd's painting god as the bad guy who's over here in this corner who made it this way and i really wish it was different but right. god's kind of the one who said so i guess we have to do what he says and what he's doing there is he's posturing himself to be friends with what god's word so clearly condemns mm -hmm. and and therefore kind of isn't even apologizing for God. He's kind of demonizing God and saying, God's the bad guy here. I wish it was different, but I guess I can't do anything about it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he was an apologist. He should have been an apologist. I think he started out to be, and then he turned into an apologizer. Right. And right. more than yeah. apologizer, like, Hey, I, I wish there was A, B, C, and D, but God made it this way. So, right. you know, gay marriage, I don't know. Right. It's just, it, you know, it's a complete contradiction and of uh, what he's first stated within the pair within the same couple of paragraphs. Right. You know? Right. Right. So the, one thing that is just blatant, especially there at the end, is just the lack of the fear of God. You know, just yeah, the exactly. way he's flippantly talking about if he were to have an interaction with God, and you know, oh frick, yeah. and like you realize who you're talking about. Right. You know, there's no fear of God before his eyes. Yeah, no fear of God. And and he's again, he's siding with the world here. So another text yeah. that comes to mind is James 4.4. 4. James says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? If you're trying to be friends with the world here and say, listen, I wish you could have all these different kinds of genders. I wish, but God unfortunately made it in such a way where we can't have that. Sorry, guys. You know, why is that false teaching? Well, it's false teaching because he's clearly uh, defying what God's word teaches. And as someone who's supposedly supposed to be preaching God's word. He's back there apologizing for it, making it seem like this it's some big bad thing. And he's really becoming friends with the world here mm -hmm. with yeah. that. And therefore not 
not me, not us, but scripture says, if you're doing that, you're at enmity with God, mm-hmm. you know? So this is an example here. This two minute clip is an example of being at enmity with God. I absolutely agree. And I think about Galatians chapter one, about pleasing people, right? right? It's all to placate. It's all to yeah. please. It's all to, you know what, this is what God's word says, but I have to apologize for it. I'm sorry. It's just what we have. Yeah. You know, you're really showing, you're playing your, you're showing your cards as far as what side of the fence you're on. Right. right? You're, you know, like you said, you're at enmity with God in this. You're not standing for truth or standing for righteousness or going to scripture and say, Hey, let's look at first Corinthians six mm-hmm. or the verses that you stated. This is what it says. No, it's well, Sorry, guys. I mean, that's the hallmark of a false teacher. Yep. 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 Yeah, that's the first one. Second one, shorter clip here. I thought this one was interesting. This is from a, uh, a series that he did on money uh, called, the series is called Easy Money. And in this particular clip, he's talking about the prosperity gospel, which I thought was interesting because he brings up the prosperity gospel. And if again, if you go on their site, they, you can see verbiage on there about how God wants you to be abundant and he wants you to prosper. And so there's some, there's some prosperity gospel mm-hmm. elements mm-hmm. To, to what Transformation Church is about, but he mm-hmm. kind of uh, decries the prosperity gospel itself. Like he says, it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. but then he kind of creates this weird like gospel spectrum. So we'll, we'll watch the clip here and, and, uh, and talk about it. The reason that God is giving me more is because I have a purpose. And so we're not going prosperity gospel, and we sure ain't going poverty gospel. We are going the purpose gospel. When my finances have a purpose, God can trust me with more than enough. So write this down. This is just a thought to be able to get this thing rolling. Paper without purpose is pointless. Having money, resources, finances, influence without a purpose from Heaven is pointless. That's why the Bible says stuff like this. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but lose his very soul? He said, it's pointless for you to have M's in the bank, making it rain, more cars than you can drive in a week, taking vacations everywhere. And he says, you can still have no peace and have all the paper. The reason that God is giving me more is because I have a... Think about... Think about what's being said here in this in this clip, and and it's, I think it's important to talk about guys like this because we've seen other teachers in the past put forward the prosperity gospel, and it's always God's will for you to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. And we've we've heard this over again. We've heard these, you know, these T.D. Jakes and Creflo Dollar and even Joel Osteen. We, we've heard this. Mm-hmm. So I think overall believers have kind of a greater sense of discernment. But there's this kind of like new repackaging of it mm-hmm. that we hear with people with people like Mike Todd and I think that's why it's important to dissect some of the stuff. So the first thing right off the bat is he says we're not going prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to again the broader context of the sermon, he defines prosperity gospel as like name it and claim it, God is a jackpot god. So he kind of caricaturizes the the prosperity gospel. But then he says we're also not going poverty gospel. And the way he defines poverty gospel is people who just don't think they should have anything and I'm just going to suffer and be a martyr for God. So he makes a caricature of the the mm-hmm. poverty gospel. And then he tells you to meet him in the middle with the purpose gospel. So again, because he's such a, and he is, I, I will 
absolutely give him this. He is a very dynamic, gifted communicator. Like he would be great as a TED talk speaker, you know, mm-hmm. just don't call yourself a pastor, but right. he, he is so dynamic and engaging that people hear what he says and they're like, yeah, that's, he, he must be right on there. Mm-hmm. So even the spectrum of gospel, the gospel spectrum that he creates, not poverty, not uh, prosperity, but purpose, even that is false. If you put a word in front of the word gospel, you're off. Mm-hmm. So him saying purpose gospel is right in the middle and that's where we should be. No, it's not. Yeah. Like the gospel is where we should be. Right. It has right. nothing to do with purpose, nothing to do with prosperity, nothing to do with poverty. It's just the gospel. We the don't get to news. change it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and for him to put a word in front of it right off the bat, it's like, you don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't get to make that spectrum. Right. Um, and to, any, any other thoughts here? And we'll talk about the text he said. No, I think that's crucial, and I and I'm so glad you pulled out that clip because um, that will fly over the radar of so many people. They're like, "Wow, that really sounds good." Yeah, but like you're saying, people just maybe unwittingly don't understand that he's adding to the gospel. Right, right. You're saying if you put anything in the front, back, side, you're adding to it, which the Book of Revelation says. You can't do that. Yeah. You can't add to these words. Of course, we create a false gospel when we add or we subtract anything from it. Yep. So I'm absolutely, I'm super glad that you brought that up because um, we, you know, Satan is so masterful at deceiving. And so we can totally understand as history goes on that these false teachers and false uh, teachings are going to become cloaked mm-hmm. in you know, something that's credible, something right. that's believable, something that's from God's word. Yep. And I think that you're seeing that in this these this new uh, generation of false teachers here. Yeah, crafty. Yep. It's crafty and it's repackaging because he does preface it with, this is not the prosperity gospel. So people then go, oh, oh, good. He knows what the prosperity gospel is. <laughs> exactly. We're yes. safe. We're good. And what he's saying, I, I hear some truth in there. Like you said, it's insidious because yep. there's a little truth sprinkled in there. Yep. Um, but he's younger and he's kind of revamping this movement. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, absolutely. And that's, you'll see that. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh yeah. I was just saying, I think it's a good thing that, but that's what I caught on to too. In that clip that he said, Hey, it's not the prosperity gospel. And you know what you'll see with false teachers who are highly charismatic is they're always trying to credential themselves. They're always trying, trying to substantiate their credibility, their believability. It's always, you know, stuff like that and the things that they teach or the things that they do, you know, especially when we'll get into it with Todd Bentley, it's like, look at all these healings, look at all these healings, Mm -hmm. look at all these healings. And it's always trying to get you to believe them based upon some, right. Something that they're saying or something that they're doing. Right. The, The text here, just quick before we move on to the last one, the text here that he quotes because you can ask the question, where is the false teaching in this? Well, the false teaching in this is he's adding on to the gospel. He's calling it the whatever gospel. Again, we, if you already do that, you're off. Right. But the verse he uses to justify his claim. So he says that uh, we need to have purpose with our money. You know, if we if we put purpose behind our dollars, that's really what God wants. That's the that's the purpose gospel. And then to substantiate, as you said, that claim, he quotes Mark eight thirty six. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? And that right there, that's false teaching. And again, it's insidious because he's speaking authoritatively, he's speaking confidently, and to just someone listening, they think, oh, that sounds right. You know, we need to have purpose with our money. What does it profit a man? Even the word profit is in there. Mm -hmm. Um, So he just says that, like those two things go together. Well, in, in Mark chapter eight, 
the crowds are starting to come to Jesus uh, because they're seeing his miracles. And he starts giving this call to discipleship. We see this in um, another call to discipleship in Luke 14, parallel text in Matthew 16 and Luke 9. But in Mark 8, all these crowds are coming to him and he says, he starts preaching almost against the crowds. Like, cause he knows, Jesus knows there are people coming because they see me doing these miracles mm-hmm. and that's it. They saw me feed the 4,000. They saw me heal the blind man, Bethsaida. They saw me do all these things. So then he gives this call to discipleship in Mark 8. And he says, for whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation Hmm. of him, will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. First thing to note, this text is not about money. (laughs) This is not about money in the slightest. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a text about eternity. It's Christ calling uh, his true disciples out of the crowds and says, if you, if you really belong to me, you'll die to yourself. Mm-hmm. If you really belong to me, you'll uh, uh, give up every single whatever pursuit you think is going to profit you in life. You will give all of that up, deny yourself, and you'll cry out to me as Savior and as King, and you'll be brought into my kingdom as my disciple. And that's what it costs is for you to die. If you give up your life here in this world and all the material possessions and everything, whatever else you were chasing, whatever idolatry looked like for you, give that up and submit to me as Lord, you'll actually find your life for eternity. Mm -hmm. That's what the text is talking about. It's not saying a word about personal finances, but yet because Mike Todd conflates these with his confident delivery, everybody thinks that it's, that's what it's talking about. Right. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, oh, wait, he quoted scripture. He must yeah, even know just what that. he's talking about. He said about. a verse. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's yeah. like, we got to be more discerning than that. But right. it's funny. I was listening to him and I'm like, I wonder if he's going to say, we'll forfeit his soul. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. He cut himself off. Mm-hmm. He said forfeits and then he went away mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. But I think what's super interesting is that in that previous clip that he was talking about sexuality, right? Yep. He was doing this for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words (laughs) in this adulterous and sinful generation. I mean, that was a textbook being ashamed of the clear teachings and position of God on sexuality. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, Last piece here on Mike Todd. We'll move on to Todd Bentley after this. But this is something near and dear to my heart. Um, It is so critical. I don't want to give it away here, but it's. It's really critical, I think, this last piece to really get at the root of this, because we looked at a couple examples here from Mike Todd, and we can see these, and I hope we can encourage people who listen in and who watch, uh, wherever you listen or watch, that uh, to grow in discernment and ability to see these types of things in light of Scripture. But I think it's important to ask, too, what's the root? What is the root problem of this? Why do we see Mike Todd's uh, out on the huge big stage in the world? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the root of this? And uh to, to give you some context here, and this will be the last clip on, on Mike Todd. He, his parents in 2008 started a church in Tulsa. Uh, he got brought onto the church to start um, helping. He was actually doing some music ministry stuff before that. Uh, and then he got brought on uh, to his parents' church. And then we get to this clip here. We'll play and just listen for, um, just, just understand that this person who you're listening to right now, this is this this is Mike Todd's start in ministry. Like this is how he got onto the scene. And then think about now how many people he influences and then think about this beginning. So we'll play this clip. 
And I had never studied, I had never preached a message, I would never been in front of anybody. We just, I would go in there and I would be myself. I would use Bible stories that I learned it from like McGee and me and like, <laughs> I am not, I am straight. Like, expectations. Yeah, bro, like the Odyssey, like oh I was like. I, <laughs> yeah, so it was just a quick clip there. But what was what I think is critical to hang on to, and that clip is just representative of the larger story here. He gets brought on, he helps the youth ministry at his parents' church. And what you hear at the beginning, I never studied, I never preached a message. I just got put into the youth ministry and I just started telling stories that I remember from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That's, that is the extent of Mike Todd's training and qualification mm-hmm. as an elder. And again, you, as he mentioned, no fear of God before your eyes. It is such a fearful thing to be an elder, to be a pastor, to lead God's church. And, and it's even more of a fearful thing to teach. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the qualifications of an elder is being able to teach, but also to understanding, understand James 3.1, not many people should become teachers. Right. For those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's a sobering passage. And then you have Mike Todd who says, yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kind of got up there and started saying stuff. Yeah. And if you listen to the the clip we took from us from a, actually it's a documentary on YouTube about Transformation Church. It's really helpful. Um, but he went on like that for months and the youth ministry blew up because he's a dynamic communicator. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was built around him, mm-hmm. you know, and this mm-hmm. is a classic mega church now. It's huge swaths of people gathered around one charismatic personality and that's what's going on with mike todd so you look at his preparation there is no preparation there's no second timothy 2 2 there's no uh elder qualified man pouring into him to then become an elder qualified man to then be a shepherd of a church Mm -hmm. no reverence for the office of pastor it's just i'm really good at communicating and i think we've done that in our age is we've we've conflated pastor with good communicator, not pastor with first Timothy three, Titus one character qualifications. So because Mike's really good at speaking, he, he has the title pastor come up under him when he starts his sermons. And it's like, I don't even think you know what that means. And I don't think a lot of people know what that means nowadays. You know, it's just equated with, I can speak well and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You think minus his communicative capabilities and his charisma that anybody would want anything to do with him? Well, I, I think the reason why there's such a large following is because he's, he is, he's so good at speaking. Right. And I listen, I mean, I, I listen to more than just these clips on him. Like, like I can understand why people go to his, yeah. I don't even hesitate to even call why people go to his building on Sunday and listen to him because he is engaging and he, and he, he preaches for like 90 minutes. He's like Jeff Durbin length preaching, you know, <laughs> like, and people sit there and they listen to it because yeah. he's, and he's got all these crazy illustrations and he's like, at one sermon he got in a boat on stage like he's just doing this crazy stuff yeah and it's 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 just because he's he's so engaging of a personality i don't know that there are other and again i'm not trying to make assertions about his character but um i just wonder like if he wasn't that engaging of a speaker yeah what would it be yeah yeah me too you have something to say yeah i was just thinking if you go back if you haven't listened to our um episode on the seeker sensitive movement it's like he is like a cookie cutter yeah uh, display of like the fruit of that like okay just and i don't i don't know his background with his parents and what their their stances or anything like that i would just say you know you you put a kid in 
throw a kid into ministry that has had no formal training, like you said, no seminary, no man pouring into him, no qualifications that, that are biblically laid out for the office of elder, and you just throw somebody in there because they're fun and they're charismatic, well, then there's going to be problems. Right. There's going to be problems. And you see that. I remember at the, the mega church I was going to, man, there were a lot of people called pastor there, youth pastor, pastor of uh, evangelism, pastor of uh, finances. You know, right. there's this like, you're like, yep. wow, oh, okay. And it's just like, hey, you're good at that. <laughs> Throw you in there. Throw you in. And there's no oversight and no like sobering, like you said, like this is a serious call. Not everybody's called to do it. Not everybody right. should do it. Um, this is a very sobering thing. And so, but it when it's handled so you know, it's flippant. flippantly yeah. and loosely, then you've got bad fruit yeah. to display. And, and that's what yeah. you see. And we see the fruit of it. Yeah. And it's not a argument for like, we're not like making an argument for you got to go to this seminary <clears throat> and get this program. Like I'm making an argument for second Timothy two, two. I make yeah. an argument for elder qualified men who are already doing it, training and discipling other men to then themselves become elders. That's yeah. what we see in scripture. Yeah. Uh, and, and seminary can be a great supplement for that, but elders training those who aspire to be elders is what the model is in the Bible. And from what I see, again, there's not really a trace of that with Mike Todd. It's just, uh, I'm really good at speaking. So here I am. And now it's grown to what it is. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things. Um, the most loving thing his father could have done, um, Whoever put him in position, I think his parents did start that church. When they heard that, just immediately remove him from any leadership because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he disqualified himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he pretty much said, I do not, I will publicly profess the fact that I do not fall in line with biblical qualifications for an elder. Mm-hmm. So the most loving thing, because you just said, will be judged with a stricter judgment. Mm-hmm. Right. So a dad hearing that should have been a son. We made a colossal decision in yeah. putting you in spiritual leadership. You just professed or confessed the fact that you're not qualified to be here. But nepotism reigns in the American mm-hmm. evangelical church. Yep. And um, I think a lot of it, and I don't want to make too, you know, paint with too broad of a brush or say things about particular individuals, but just from what I've experienced, a lot of it is based upon people starting churches i'm just going to go start a church so they're really there maybe there was an internal call not necessarily an external call they're yep. self-appointed leaders who start non-denom churches independent churches um and then they you know it starts to be their source of income yep. and they gain a huge amount of control it's typically top-down leadership pyramid leadership with the senior pastor right he wrote he you know runs the roost is that the right term yeah and then number one he want he needs to get paid <clears throat> so even when he retires he'll make sure he has some semblance of control and he'll put his child in a position um so he can have control and continue to get mm-hmm. paid right yeah. um i think that's it but i yeah. think what we have to you know immediately discern from that is that you would never go to a doctor, right? Trust your life with a doctor. Is like, hey, you know what, guys? I didn't go to medical school. <laughs> I didn't go to medical school at all. I just, you know, my dad was a doctor, and I kind of understood some stories about medicine. And here I am. I mean, you you would have run as far as way as you could. I mean, oh, yeah. the guy, he would be sued for malpractice mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. 
But we don't do that when it comes to evaluating spiritual leaders. It's like, right. oh, he's saying this. Oh, well, I'm going to entrust my soul to this guy, and I'm going to bring my kids to sit under this type of a leader. Yes. And it does even more damage than just going to a doctor who doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. But think about it. If it's built around one man, right, and this guy's aging out, <laughs> then you put in his replacement, which would be, he's probably going to be like his dad. Mm -hmm. He's probably going to have some similarities as far as the teaching. And they've, they've come to worship this one person. I'm not saying all churches. I'm just saying if your church is built around the, the personality of one person, and you're really looking to them instead of the scriptures and you're just idol, you know, idolizing them, then it would seem like the natural thing is to come for the, the junior to come in and then they're just like him. So then he could just replace. Yeah. So I don't know. It just seems like it kind of makes sense in that model of why they would do that. Yeah. So no, even though it's agree. damaging. So, wow. Good stuff. Thank you, Jake. Any more yeah. stuff on Mike? Yeah. Nothing on Mike. We, like we'll talk about this with Todd. Like we don't have hatred for these guys. Hate we, oh. we we want people to be warned of the false teaching, and we want to rebuke the false teachers. But our desire is for repentance. That's right. Like Mike Todd has been given such a huge platform. Um, there's such an opportunity to faithfully preach God's word, yeah. and not build your own little kingdom in Tulsa. Right. And uh, that that would be my plea is to l truly look at look at what scripture teaches and turn submit yourself to what it says uh, and begin to be used mightily by the lord yeah. uh, think about that gifting in submission truly to god's word mm -hmm. how mightily that could be used yeah and we'll we'll watch a video on justin peters because he confronts todd bentley but the most loving thing that you can do and i, th I thought this a long time ago i'm like what if i was ever able to talk to like joel osteen or, well i would confront him yeah, yeah. brother you know, you are facing God in judgment. Right. Um, the most loving thing that I can do is stand in your face and say, you need to put yeah, the brakes on all of this. Stop. Yes. Yeah. Step down. You know, I think that we're loving Mike by um, confronting this. I mean, he speaks for himself. We've showed clips. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he told us all that he's unqualified. He told us all that he's ashamed of the God that he serves. And, the yep. uh, you know, all we're doing is kind of telling people what he's already saying right but what he's doing is he's saying he shouldn't be in the position that he is and so many people are suffering because of it yeah i would say if you if you know someone that is under the teaching of pastor mike todd share this with them if for some reason mike todd is sent this pastor mike todd we are just calling for your repentance and that this is out of love it's not out of uh hate or bashing it's out of concern for your soul which i think right. has already been expressed but um yeah, yeah that's what i wanted to do but i'm getting old and i forgot but that's <laughs> what i wanted to say is you know you know mike we this is all because we care about you we love you. Um, you're going to face God in judgment. And if you'd like to come on and talk with us about this, we would be more Absolutely. than welcome to invite you on the show and talk all through this with anybody that we kind of expose. Absolutely. We would, totally. we would love to do that. All right. So, yeah, like we said, we love Mike Todd. And, uh, brother, we're just calling you to repentance. Uh, turning from your sin, step down from your position, um, get under some good guys that are actually going to lead you according to God's word and not put you in a platform or in a position that you're not qualified to be in. And brother, you're not, 
Yeah. It's qualified and those words came out of your own mouth. So we're here for you. We'd love to speak with you. So that's it for this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Next episode, we are going to talk about like we had talked about Mr. Uh, Todd Bentley and um, man, I hope that guy listens to this as well. Me too. But thanks for tuning in. And uh, we appreciate you so much. Like we had said in the beginning of the show, please go to uh, ICA Bibles. Go get, a, go get a great Bible rebind from our friend, uh, John yeah. Holiday. So good. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we love you. We'll thank see you next time. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. <laughs>